0: Practice with your eyes open, then you can do so anytime, anywhere in your daily life. Not necessarily only when you are seated cross-legged with your eyes closed. However, it's also good to establish a regular formal practice. Depends on how much time you can spend. If you can get one hour, good. But if you can't get an hour, then maybe 45 minutes or half an hour, 15 minutes, as much as you can. Suppose minimum will be 15 minutes. Try to get 15 minutes. Try to do it daily. I would suggest early in the morning because in the evenings, you would probably be tired after a whole day's work and your mind also will be full of baggage. When you try to sit in the evenings, either you fall asleep because you're tired or you'll be so restless having so many thoughts about all the things that have been happening in the day. But after a good night's sleep, then the next morning you're fresh. It's easier to have a, a sitting meditation. You could start off, if you are familiar with focused awareness, or if you have trained your mind to do focused awareness practice before, you can start off with the focused awareness, but then try to end it with open awareness because that's going to be more useful in your daily life. You also try to have more discipline to remind yourself also to practice mindfulness in daily life, not only rely on your formal sitting. Whenever you have the time, actually you have a lot of time. The moment you get up from the bed until you go to your office or you go to school, there's a few hours really, and that's all your personal time. Instead of allowing your mind to just Get involved in idle and unproductive thinking. Try to be in the present. Be aware of what you're doing. All right. If you have this reference point of being in the present, then the moment your mind runs off, you'll be able to catch it. Then apply the bar test. I'm not asking you to stop thinking altogether because it's impossible. But think only useful thoughts. Now what is not useful, what is no, not productive, don't think. Yeah, put it aside and remember the four hours of regret because lots of times our thoughts are also about the past, of what we did in the past, or should have done better. No point ruminating about all those things. Be more realistic in thinking about what you should do to make yourself better. So there's a lot of time. When you get up from the bed, then you tidy up, you go to brush your teeth, you go to shower. All these are all your personal time. Huh? When you go to your car, you drive to work, or you take an LRT, you wait at the station, you sleep in the LRT. All these are your personal time. And then even when you get to work in the office, then you still need to go to the toilet. When you go to the toilet, you can spend a, little, a bit extra time inside there. Nobody is going to bother you. <laughs> and you can also practice open awareness inside there. One of my students once said that this open eye, open awareness practice is pretty good because if you're in the office and you're standing on your computer with your eyes open, you can practice open awareness and your boss doesn't know. If <laughs> 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 you close your eyes, you're like, so you know, <laughs> Actually, you can do it anytime. And it's just a matter of discipline, You know, reminding yourself to do so. And there are various ways that you can remind yourself to do so. You can use of modern technology. Yeah, instead of becoming a slave of modern technology, becoming a slave of your device, you can make use of it. You could make a timer to give you a signal, maybe half an hour or so, to ask you whether you are in the present or not, whether you are mindful. That's yes, one way you can do it. I think some more advanced devices, will, you can even record your own voice there to give you the reminder. Every twenty or half an hour or so, ask yourself, where are you? What's the mind doing? What's the mind aware of? I also told you this morning, there are actually two shortcuts. When you ask yourself, what's the mind aware of? You're actually reminding yourself to practice free and easy touch and go, being aware of the senses or being in the present. And when you ask yourself, what's the mind doing? You are reminding yourself to look at the subject. How is the subject reacting or responding to what's happening around? Just now, somebody said about Sissi. He said that he was carpooling, so he had to pick up the colleagues along the way. And once they get into the car, they start talking. In my other retreats, my longer retreats, I teach also mindful listening and mindful conversation. It tends too short, I can't teach you all. you'll be talking in the forest anyway, unmindfully. <laughs> you can actually make use of what you learn here, because when you are listening to people, yeah, I mean you don't have to give them 100 percent of your attention. You could reserve maybe 40 percent on yourself. And then maybe sixty percent to what they are saying, if it is interesting. But if it's somebody nagging you, you can just hundred percent on your body and what's happening, and just that's the sound. (laughs) So it is a matter of diverting yourself. The principle of five, six, one. If you keep your mind occupied with one thing, then you will not be attending to other things. That's what you can do. When you are involved in a conversation, when you have to attend in boring meetings, people are talking. Now don't feel bored. You can practice open awareness at that time. When you start saying things which are not relevant to you, you can just practice defocus open awareness. You look, stare, and then blankly, and then just... (laughs) You don't know what you're talking about. Just be aware of what's happening around you. So that will give you some respite, a break for your mind to get composed. There's also another app that you can install in your computer if you have to sit in front of a computer a long time. There are two apps actually, one for Windows and one for Mac. If you use Windows, there's one called Work Rafe. W O R K W-O-R-K, Work R-A-V-E, Rave. It's a freeware, it's a time reminder. Which means to say, if you install that app, that app, what, what will it do? It will freeze your keyboard after a certain time. Maybe uh, after 20 minutes, it will freeze your whole keyboard. You cannot key in anything. And just for a few seconds, maybe 12 seconds only. But when you are engrossed in doing something, 12 seconds is a long time. (laughs) But it's a very good reminder for you to come back to the present. When you can't do anything, then you practice awareness. then you can get, you recharge your battery, your mind becomes sharper and you can do your work better. It gives you a time to step back and look at things rather than get absorbed or engrossed into what you're doing. It has a default setting, but it, you can also customize it. And so soon, a dialog box it will come up, will pop up, let's say, about one minute or so before your keyboard freezes. You will say your keyboard will freeze, your screen will become blank in one minute's time. And then if you have really something very urgent to do, you can click the ignore button. You click the ignore button, it won't freeze your keyboard, it continues to do your work. But you must have the discipline not to press it every time it arises. (laughs) You have to listen to it. After about maybe one hour or so, or maybe a certain time, it will give you micro breaks, which means to say every 15 minutes or so, then it will give you a break of 12 seconds. Then after one period, one cycle, it will give you a break of 10 minutes it's time that you need to rest 10 minutes go to the toilet and stretch yourself or something uh, it's good for your health your physical health as well as your eyes there's a useful app to install it's called Work Brave for Windows anyone here using Mac? nobody right? all Windows huh? ok no need to tell you about Mac another way that you could keep up with the momentum of a practice is to have a physical group support but it's not always possible unless you have a venue where you all can get get together to do some group practice. Because if you don't have enough self-discipline, it's very easy to just, like you said, you do that for two days after that, initially, and leave the next retreat. <laughs> if you have a group support, then the group meets you every week or so, then you're forced to go there and sit with everybody. If you're sitting by yourself alone in your house, in your apartment, in your room, then you'll be tempted by a lot of things that you forgot to do or you should do and you sit down for 10 minutes and, oh, or 5 minutes and oh I got to do this and you get up and do this and do that and then finish done <laughs> but if you're sitting with everybody and it's quite far away from your house you've got no choice you have to finish the session before you go so that's one way that's the best way if you can't get physical group support then at least you have a virtual group support actually we have one whatsapp group for our hiking whatsapp group these people, they will chat among themselves, inspire one another on how to continue to practice. So that's another one that you could do. You could set up a youth mindful hiking chat group. We have one which is not confined to the youth. It's open to all my uh, hiking retreatants. I also saw you the bar test, and I, some of you have already acknowledged that it's very useful. You should try to practice that. Then it will save you a lot of trouble in your life, reduce your suffering. But even if it fails the bar test, remember I said if it fails, then you jump to the last. You try to see, to recycle that intention that you are going to trash. Instead of simply ignoring it, you look at it and try to understand the cause and condition. How it arose? Due to causes and conditions. But in order to do that, you have to be composed If your mind is not composed, is very distracted and in a state of disorganized, disarray, then you can't figure out any causes or conditions. In order for you to maintain that composure, I encourage you to practice dynamic composure, which is coming back to your senses as often as you can, being aware of present moment activities. This will give you dynamic composure. Instead of getting lost in idle and unproductive thinking, you anchor yourself to the present activities. That will also improve your memory. And the reason why people have poor memory is because they are not focused on what they are doing. They are thinking of something else. And then after that, they forget. Hey, did I lock the door just now? <laughs> because you were thinking of something else when you were locking the door. You are in the present, you have better memory. I didn't have the time to talk about the Four Noble Truths, but I guess everybody should know what the Four Noble Truths are. The truth about suffering, the cause of suffering, the end of suffering, or cessation of suffering, and the way that leads to the cessation of suffering. I also pointed out to you that when you look at causes and conditions, particularly of intentions that arise, not only are these intentions the effects of Present sensory occurrences, not only are they triggered by sensory perception, sensory experiences, but they are also triggered by wanting, desire. Right? You lock your eyes in one fixed direction, something moves there, and then intention arises, you want to see. Why? Because of curiosity. Right? they one thing to know. Or because you are bored and you want something to have intellectual stimulation to give you some fun. The element of desire is also present in the cause. Not only sensory experiences, not only sensory triggers. When you look at that, especially when you suffer. And you all of us suffer a lot in our daily lives because the suffering comes mostly from the mind. It comes from unskillful thoughts, unskillful speech, unskillful actions. All these things you did without properly processing your intentions. That gets you into trouble. All these sufferings actually come from desire. Wanting something. Wanting to say something to satisfy yourself. When you do a hiking retreat, you don't have any chores, Like clean the toilet or think you don't do anything, right? But when we have a normal retreat, we have chores for the yogis. The yogis are supposed to do certain chores, cleaning up, housekeeping. They do that in groups. When you're doing groups, then you're supposed to do one task, but different people have got different approaches. Why not? Right? If your duty is to clean up the toilet, and then you have a few group members there, and you see one group member who is doing it in a sloppy way and not up to your standards. Uh, and then the comment will arise really. Yeah, this person is not doing it correctly. Uh, so sloppy. He's still got dirt in that corner and all that. And the way he's mopping is not the right way. He shouldn't be. Who is suffering when you are criticizing others? Supposing you don't voice out what you say. Lah. <laughs> Who is suffering when you are complaining? <laughs> you are suffering. You see? Why are you complaining? You are complaining because things are not happening the way you want to. <laughs> Do you get upset with people, why? Because they don't live up to expectations. You expect them to do something but they don't and then you get upset. You can see this is the root cause of suffering is actually desire, clinging, attachment, your attachment to a view, to an expectation of how people should behave. If you only really understand how all your thoughts, feelings, perceptions, views, opinions, judgments and comments, everything uh the products of causes and conditions, they are past conditioning, involved present circumstances, then you don't blame yourself. You don't blame others. People do things differently because they were conditioned differently. Yeah, They've sipped the floor in a different way because their mother taught them to sweep it in that way, not the same as your mother taught you. <laughs> so when you see that within yourself, then you begin to sympathize and empathize with people. They're not so critical anymore. You begin to accept people for what they are, and accept yourself for what you are. That's what you are. That's the way it is. However, I mean, that's not an excuse for irresponsibility. <laughs> everything due to cause and effect, so nobody is to blame. So you don't blame yourself, you don't blame everybody. Let everything be lah. Uh, no, that's not also the right thing. The good thing about seeing cause and the condition and effect is that you save. One extra suffering of blaming for yourself for doing something unskillful. Doing something unskillful is bad enough. If you blame yourself for doing it, there's a second suffering. Alright? You save yourself from that sort of suffering, but it doesn't mean that you get away from it. You don't get away from it because you still got to practice right effort. Alright, you know that something unskillful has happened. The four hours of regret. You know it's unskillful, you know it's wrong, you know it shouldn't have been done. It's not your fault because of causes and conditions. Yes, it's true, but you must have right effort. What is unskillful? You must have right view in the first place to identify what is skillful and what is unskillful, what is wholesome and what is unwholesome. You need that right view. And once you have the right view and you are able to identify something as unskillful, unwholesome, then you should have right effort to abandon it, not pursue it. Alright? The moment you see it arising, you should try to abandon it, not pursue it. And if you also understand causes and conditions of how things happen, then you should also take preventive measures. Don't wait for it to come out. Take preventive measures. For example, if you love durian, but there's some health conditions you have that you cannot take durian. Take preventive measures. Don't go anywhere near durians. <laughs> okay. You have to know the causes and conditions. If durian is irresistible to you, make sure you don't see or smell durian. Go far away from it. It's like somebody trying to kick the habit of smoking. If you want to keep the habit of smoking, you have to get rid of your cigarettes. And don't just put them in a rubbish pit because once you get the urge, you go there and pick it up and <laughs> and smoke again. <laughs> You've got to put it in an incinerator, burn it away, throw it somewhere where it's inaccessible. Don't go near your smoking khakis. <laughs> Why you smell that? And they say, oh, come on, I'll throw you one. they surely want you to get you back to the fold. <laughs> you have to take preventive measures. That's where right effort comes in. It's not just absolving yourself from responsibility and saying it's not my fault. No, no one is to blame. <laughs> but if you know that it's unskillful, then you have to use right effort to abandon it, prevent it from happening. All right, And also to use right effort to arouse the wholesome is this desire of wanting to abandon the unwholesome. That itself is wholesome. Suffering is something which no one is short of. So every time you suffer in life, upset, disappointment frustration depressed Ask say why yeah and you see the cause, is because you're hanging on to something you're clinging on or attached to something most probably an idea a belief an opinion a view an expectation it's not to say that you cannot have any expectations at all in this life we need to have expectations you need to expect that he's going to collect your lunch right <laughs> 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 You need to have expectations, but have realistic expectations. And also, even your expectations might be realistic. You expect him to collect the lunch and come here on time. But something might happen along the way. Car broke down. The guy got sick. Like Yesterday or so, we were expecting the orang lastly guy to come. He couldn't come. No point getting upset, right? Because you are high people, you can't do anything about it. So we have to think of a way of modifying the situation. You be prepared. That expectations, no matter how realistic you make, may also not turn out the way you want it to. If somebody is by nature very untidy, a sloppy person, and you want that person to be as tidy as you are, it is something quite impossible. <laughs> and don't try to do that, you know, that's unrealistic expectation, because it's just the nature of that person. So what you need to do is not to change that person, change yourself, change your attitude towards that person. Right? Accept the person for what it is. If you cannot lower your standard of tolerance for untidiness, <laughs> then you have to suffer. Lo. Then go and, go and tidy up for him or her. <laughs> Usually, when people tidy things up for other people, most of the time uh, it's actually for a selfish reason. Because you want to feel good. Because you cannot lower your standard of tolerance. So therefore you can do it to feel satisfied, to see things tidy. But sometimes it's not only because of that. Sometimes it's altruistic because you want the company to benefit, you want your house to look neat or for your mother or something like that. That's altruistic. <laughs> so, so next time you want to correct somebody, ask yourself whether it's really due to an altruistic reason or is it because of a selfish reason. You want to feel good. Well, we know that attachments and cravings and desires are the cause of suffering. But you know, you people are all lay people. In, in Pali, lay people are called Kama Bogis, which means to say those who enjoy pleasures through the senses. That's your job, to enjoy pleasures through the senses. When you go back to the world you're not a yogi anymore. You're not on AP precepts. You can see entertainment. The moment you on your phone only, <laughs> you're bombarded by all these sense stimuli. <laughs> what to do? Then before you go down really you're digging of what to eat really. <laughs> see? <laughs> That's your job, huh? Go and enjoy pleasures of the senses. But then sometimes some of these pleasures bring you suffering. After you go through it, then you realize, ah, next time I cannot do really lah. But still, next time you do it, again and again and again, due to pet attachments. How to correct yourself? What I say is, you can follow your pet attachments with mindfulness and clear awareness. Which means to say, every time this desire of wanting to satisfy, gratify that that desire arises, do it mindfully. I say you would like to eat the special Chakwe Tiao, Penang Chakwe in a certain store. And you have to drive there to park your car, pay the parking fees, and then you have to go there and queue up, you know, get your ticket and wait there for your turn to come. And wait, wait until it comes, and then you spend about 15 minutes eating that thing, right? And during the 15 minutes that you're eating, you're thinking of this and that, yeah? or you're talking with your friends. Actually, how much time do you really enjoy that? <laughs> if you really do it with mindfully right from the beginning until the end uh, one fine day you say so far away and you go go side and get that one is good enough lah. will throw it fill my stomach and come out anyway <laughs> but make sure when you want to follow your pet attachments you don't break your precept secondly you don't cause harm to yourself or to others for example, you have a health issue. You are not supposed to take that thing. Don't harm yourself, but go take that thing. And if it harms somebody, maybe your partner, your mother, your family, by overspending, also don't go and do it. <laughs> you don't bring up precepts, you don't harm yourself, you don't harm others, don't upset other people. right? If all this passes, then you can go and enjoy yourself, but with mindfulness and clear awareness. So that one fine day, you'll find it's not worth going through all the trouble to date that fleeting moments of pleasure. This is actually what the Bodhisattva did before he became enlightened. He said that when he was still unenlightened, when he was still a, a Bodhisattva, he said that he understood experientially, according to reality, the gratification of sense desires, the drawback and escape. The gratification of, of sense pleasure is that you want to enjoy it, right? And when you enjoy it, you get, you are gratified, you feel satisfied. The drawback is that this lasts only for a fleeting moment. And also, the trouble that you need to get in order to gratify yourself. That is the drawback. And what is the escape? The escape is simple. Discipline your desire. Don't follow the desire. But you can only discipline the desire when you see the drawbacks. If you don't see the drawbacks, then you're still chasing after that gratification. That's why I say you need to do so mindfully and with clear awareness. Let's talk about markers of progress. How do you know that you're making progress in your practice? Very simple. There's one simile the Buddha gave to monks about progress in your practice. He gave actually two similes. One simile is that of a carpenter. A carpenter makes use of an axe or uh, a tool with a wooden handle. In the old days, the wooden handles are not like the handles we have nowadays. Nowadays, the handles we have, they have a profile there, a grip mark, right, where you grip your fingers. In the old days, no, it's just a piece of wood and then you hold it and you work on it, use it for many years. After that, you can see your grip mark there. But when did that grip mark start? happen. Would you know? You wouldn't know. Until the great monk is there, then you realize that it's there. You don't know when it started. There's one interesting video that has been circulating around of this uh, monk, one from China, who bows to the Buddha image every day for 20, 40 years or something like that at the same place on the floor planks. Then you can see his marks there, uh, the traces of his kneeling and his feet and the hands and his forehead touching there. But when did this start to occur? Nobody knew, right? The same thing when you practice. You don't really know how far you are going on, but one fine day you find, hey, I'm more composed, I'm calmer, I have less defilements now, I don't expect so much, and because I don't expect so much, I don't hang on to my expectations, I have less suffering. And life becomes smoother. Not so many downs anymore. No ups and downs is more like this, level. But then the Buddha also gave another simile. And this simile is about a ship. In the old days, we have these ships. And they sail the seas in good weather. But during the monsoon season, the ships will be grounded. They have to be moored to the pier with a thick rope tied to the pier. They will use this rope for many, many years. But because the rope is exposed to the elements, to weather, it will wear away, correct? It will fray. And you don't know when it starts to fray until one day when there's a strong wind or when there's a strong current, then it snaps. Then you know. This is also another indication of a breakthrough. Although it wears slowly through time, that is a time when there's a breakthrough, and that breakthrough is when you attain awakening. It's a gradual progress until a certain point of time, then there is a sudden breakthrough. Well, that's when you become a stream enterer or attain the various levels of attainment, right? But you don't have to worry about when that occurs. That is the result of your continuous effort. So you just need to walk, and the best marker of progress is to check yourself. Look at the own defilements. Do you have less defilements? Are defilements less in terms of frequency and intensity? And because they are less, do you suffer less? And your, your life becomes smoother. Another very good marker is your ability to see cause, conditioning and effect. When you can see cause, condition and effect within yourself, as continuously as possible, in as many aspects of your life as possible, then very naturally also, you will be at peace with yourself, and at peace with the world. You don't blame yourself, you don't blame others, you become easier to get along with, you have more friends, and your relationship with people become very smooth. That's also another marker of progress. The next one is something which may be a bit weird and evoke some alarm from people who are close to you. Because when you practice a lot of introspective mindfulness, looking back at yourself, then you become quieter. You don't talk too much. When you apply the bar test, most of the things you want to say, they won't pass. (laughs) So nothing to say. So, you become less social. You don't want to go out with those people to go and socialize for fun anymore. But if you are working, you need to socialize in order for you to do your job well, particularly if you have to socialize with your clients and all that. But that's part of the suffering of living a lay life. <laughs> it's part of the suffering. What to do? You know? It's all due to desire. Because you want to do a good job, you want to get a good salary. That's why you have to go through this suffering. Can't you help? If, on the other hand, you are not obliged to socialize with people for the sake of your occupation, then automatically you become less social. And you may not even want to watch TV so much anymore, and you become more minimalist. If you were a vain woman before, or vain girl before, later on you will find that you don't need any more cosmetics, you don't need any more makeup, you become more simple. And minimalist, you don't go shopping so much anymore, to such an extent that sometimes your spouse might get a bit alarmed. What happens if she becomes a nun? Who is going to take care of the children? (laughs) But this is normal. It's not that you have gone cuckoo. It's just normal that you want to keep away from suffering. So if you find yourself becoming more minimalist, becoming less social due to your practice, then it's okay. It's part of the progress in your practice. But I guess it will come the time when you have to reach a crossroads. That you have to decide whether if you want to be really serious on a spiritual path, you really have to be away from all these things because they are distractions from the path. But no need to talk about this. I don't think all of you are at that level yet. (laughs) If you're at that level, you come and see me. (laughs) I guess that's all. And I hope practice as continuous as you can back home and you can use of all these pointers that I gave you on how you can help yourself to remind yourself to practice more continuously in your daily life. Not just for two days or four days or one week, but as often as you can throughout your life. So then next time maybe you don't even need to go for a retreat because it becomes a part of a life, second nature to you. I think that's all. Before we end, I'd like to express my gratitude, especially to Hannah, for spending so much time, almost all the time in the kitchen, <laughs> preparing food for me and getting up so early in the morning, and also sacrificing herself, not being able to socialize with you all. And also, uh, gratitude to the committee members, especially CC, Adrian, and Jafu, for opening the path. It was a very nice path. You got a a variation of very easy and uh, steep and difficult and challenging. So it's very nice, especially like those challenging parts. (laughs) Oh, that's too easy. (laughs) And also this place is very nice because no leeches, yeah. And uh, the climate is also quite cool. Uh, it's it's quite a high altitude, is it? but it's quite cool. No sweat. It's literally no sweat for me. Huh? 480 meters. Ah. It's not like SBS is so humid, but here it's like cool. Almost like Cameron. Uh, Almost not like Cameron. (laughs) Cameron is really cool. No, really no sweat. (laughs) And no leeches. Here got a lot of mosquitoes. Thanks to everybody. All the participants here. Like Anna says, it's good to see young faces. Anna has been attending my retreats. He's the only younger, young people around. Nobody, everybody is all middle-aged and (laughs) oldies. So I hope you will help I encourage some of your friends to come for our future youth mindful hiking retreats. don't want this to be a dying breed. I'm getting old. I need someone to carry on after I can't climb anymore. So time to uh, groom up young people. Saru saru.